Welcome to Woodlawn. We're glad that you've joined us. Now, last week, if you were watching, I preached a sermon and I pretended that you were in the room with me. So I'd like to do that again today, okay? Just nod your head up and down. Yeah. Maybe we should just make the camera go up and down like that, Katie, and then I'll know that they're agreeing with me. Now, listen, last week I, I shared some things about prayer. I want to do that again today, and I want to start off by telling you a true story that happened to me. Uh, at a previous church, I had a staff member who came to me one day, and she said, Would you please put me on your prayer list? I need you to pray for me because I'm going to have a hysterectomy. And I assured her that I would pray for her, and I wrote it down. And when I tell somebody I'm going to pray for them, I pray for them. And so I did. She had a hysterectomy, and I prayed for her when she had that hysterectomy, and she did fine. Now, not too many days after that, I went in for a routine colonoscopy. You know how when you have a colonoscopy, you're kind of groggy after the procedure, and you really have a hard time waking up? You really can't be responsible for what you say because you really don't know what you're talking about. Well, I'd already told the office I was having a procedure that day, and I wouldn't be in. But in my mind, I was thinking, I need to let the office know that I'm not going to be there. So I told my wife, Laura, I said, call the office, tell them that I'm in the hospital, I've had a procedure, I've had a hysterectomy, and I won't be coming in today. <laughs> I shared that with the folks in the church the next Sunday. They found that very amusing. And I said, yep, I've had a hysterectomy, and i got to tell you, I feel like a new man. Well, when they heard about that, they laughed. But also, that staff member came up to me after the service, and she said, you really did pray for me, didn't you? I said, I told you, if I tell you I'm going to pray for you, I pray for you. And I did. And I still do that today. People ask for me to pray for them, and I'll write it down. I have a long list of people I pray for every day. I have several different lists, actually. A lot of them now are in my mind because I've been praying for them for so long. Others are new, and I've added them to the list. But when I tell you I'm going to pray for you, I really will pray for you. And the reason is because I think that prayer really does make a difference. In fact, I heard about a couple who walked in the mall for exercise. They were in a city. This really happened. They were in a big city, and there were a lot of different malls, and this was years ago when malls were really more of a big thing. But they were walking in this mall, and they decided that what they would do is that they would pray as they went through the mall. They prayed for employees in the mall and customers in the mall and owners of the stores in the mall and just people who came to hang out there. And as they did that, one day the police came to them, and you'll never believe what they told this couple. They said, we know what you're doing when you walk to get exercise in the mall. We know that you're praying. Can we tell you that this mall used to have the highest crime rate of any mall in the city? But since you've been walking and praying, it now has the lowest crime rate of any mall in the city. And we believe that your prayers had something to do with that. Can you imagine somebody coming to you and telling you that your prayers made a difference in that way? Boy, we need prayer today, don't we? 
We've got a lot of angry people. COVID has really affected our country and their attitude. And people have got a lot of issues. Some of those issues are justified, but there are all kinds of ways they're coming out with rage and anger. And it's a very difficult time, especially in the larger cities right now. You know, I believe that prayer can make a difference. And I think that we need to pray. There's some, probably things we need to do in addition to that. There are probably some things we need to see that happen as a result of a response to a need that's out in the world today. But also, prayer can make a huge difference. Now, there are five conditions for answered prayer. And I'm going to share them with you. We're just going to walk through them quickly. First, you must have an honest relationship with God. If you look at John, the 15th chapter, he says, and this is Jesus says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So you got to have a real relationship with God where you're talking to him, you're praying to him, you're listening to him, and you're being honest with him about the need. And then second, you must have a forgiving attitude toward other people. Well, we need to hear that today, don't we? In Mark, it says this, Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And then third, you must be willing to share the results. In other words, when God blesses you, then you need to be a blessing to others. In Luke, the sixth chapter, it says this, Give, and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together, to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. And then the fourth thing, you must believe that God will answer. When you pray, do you really believe that God will answer? I heard about some folks who went to church and they were praying for rain. And they came to Wednesday night prayer meeting. And they walked in to pray and they knew what they were going to pray about. And the preacher looked at them and said, we might as well go home. And they said, why? He said, because we all came to pray for rain, but none of us brought any umbrellas. Do you really believe what you're praying? James, the first chapter says, If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and He will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask Him, He says, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person who has divided loyalty is as unsettled as the wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. In other words, you're not very consistent. You're just like the waves. We've seen some big waves recently. They come in and they go back out. God says he wants us to be much more consistent and faithful. And then fifth, you must pray in Jesus' name. Now, Jesus is the power to the prayer. You're praying to the Father in Jesus' name. And He's the one who approaches the throne to give God those prayers. In John, the 14th chapter, it says, You can ask anything in my name, this is Jesus speaking, and I will do it, so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. 
Now, the Apostle Paul, guided by the Holy Spirit, said prayer makes a difference. Here's what Paul wrote to a young trainee named Timothy above the place, about the place of prayer in the church. He says in 1 Timothy, the second chapter, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people and ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. And Jesus still is in the saving business today. This week we want to ask the question, what does God ask us to pray? And the answer is, when believers pray for others as God commands and He answers their prayers, it makes huge gains for the kingdom and the world. Now here are three things that help us know that prayer make a difference. First, when we pray the prayer that God urges. You remember I said that God speaks through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lays something on our hearts to pray about. We pray about it in Jesus' name, and Jesus takes it back to the throne to God so that he might answer the prayer. In 1 Timothy, Paul used four words to describe prayer. Let me list those four words for you. The first thing he talks about are requests, and these are felt needs. These are the kinds of prayer requests you get when you ask people, how can I pray for you? You'll hear about their health. You'll hear about employment or relationships or anxieties. Those are requests. Then second, there's prayer, and that's often about the lives of people around us. It could be described as God's felt needs. He wants us to come and trust and obey and serve. And then there's intercession, and that's where we pray for other people. And thanksgiving is when we pray and thank God for answering our prayers. We're thanking Him for our homes and the well-being of our children, our good jobs, and so on. Now, when we pray for everyone, we're including family members, friends, neighbors, and co-workers. It also includes leaders in the community, Christians from other denominations, government officials, and enemies. It's good to pray for those in leadership. And then Paul is saying that um, this is an urgent business, something we can't put off. These are prayers that we need to pray faithfully. Paul knew that prayer had a high priority. Now let me tell you a story. This is a true story. It happened about 22 years ago. And I know this because I talked to a layman who was one of the key leaders in the church that I'm telling about. He said to me one day, he said, we're about to lose our pastor. He's retiring. We're praying for God to send us a new pastor. And we're going to pray that God will send the person he wants us to have. But that's not all we're going to pray. We're going to pray that that person cannot fail because all of us are going to lift him up in prayer. And that's exactly what they did. 22 years ago, they prayed for God to send them the person that he wanted them to have. And God answered their prayer. And they said, now, we're going to pray for this person. He cannot fail because God has sent him. We're going to support him in prayer. And that's what they did. The church was in good shape when that guy got there. But let me tell you, 22 years later, it has just flourished beyond their greatest imagination. And you know what? Those folks are still praying for that pastor today. They told me they had about 100 people that came down to the church. 
And they faithfully prayed for that pastor to come before he ever got there. And he's been very successful there. God has blessed his ministry because some people said, hey, we're going to stand in support in prayer for this pastor. God has sent him. He's here for a reason. And we're going to pray that God will bless him. And God did bless him. And God blessed that church abundantly. And he continues to bless it today. Prayer was also a priority in the early church in the New Testament. In Acts, the first chapter, it says they met together and they were constantly united in prayer. And I want you to think about that for just a minute. I know that we've got a lot of prayer warriors here at Woodlawn. I know there are people who pray for us on a regular basis. And I want to thank you for doing that. But let me just encourage those of you who may not even have thought about doing that, I want to encourage you to step up your prayer life for Woodlawn. I believe that God is using our church in amazing ways, and He's blessing us abundantly, even in the midst of COVID. But I don't think that's all He wants to do. I think there are greater things He wants to accomplish, and I think if we'll get serious about praying for the church, He'll do even more through us. In Acts, the first chapter, it says, or the second chapter, it says, All believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. And so the early church, one of the first priorities they had was to pray. In John 15, it says this, But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask anything you want, and it will be granted. Again, Jesus speaking. In other words, God says that he'll just fill our minds with his word and then his will can be accomplished as we seek to do it. Now, God requires us to listen to him first before he listens to us. I want you to think about that in your prayer life. Just spend some time celebrating, praising, worshiping, adoring God, just listening to him and allowing him to speak. And then you talk to him about the intercessory needs and personal needs that you have. If I don't pay attention to what God's word tells me, I won't know what to pray. Now, there are three ways to evaluate, honestly, our relationship with God. And the first one is in 1 John the first chapter, do I have unconfessed sin? There are three ways. That's number one. Do I have unconfessed sin? If you've got unconfessed sin, that's just like a barrier to prayer. So you have to confess it, and that just opens the door for God to hear our prayers and respond. Psalm 66 says this, If I have not confessed the sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. In other words, I've got to confess in order to get things right with God. What is confession? It's just being honest with God. And then the second thing is, am I currently ignoring any of God's principles? If I know God's principles in His Word, if I know what He teaches, I can't just ignore the practices He wants me to follow. I have to put them into practice. In 1 John, the third chapter, it says, Dear friends, if we don't feel guilty, we can come to God with bold confidence and we receive from Him whatever we ask because we obey Him and do the things that please Him. So we need a clear conscience. That's why we need to confess so that our prayers will be bold and so that God then is freed up to answer them. 
How can I keep God's commands? Well, nobody's perfect. I mean, it's impossible for us to be perfect, but God doesn't demand perfection. What he does demand is obedience. He says, you know, we're going to fail. We're human. We're going to make mistakes. We don't have to be perfect, but we do need to try to be obedient to him, and we need to confess when we're not. And then third, do I really want God's will for my life? You know, sometimes we're praying, but are we really ready to accept whatever God says as an answer? In 1 John, the fifth chapter, it says, And we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. And since we know he hears us when we make our request, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. See, if we're praying and asking for things that will please God, then you know he's going to give them to us. St. Augustine said it this way, Love God and do what you please. Now, what was he saying? He was saying, if you love God, the only thing you're going to do is what pleases God. So do whatever you want to because you're going to do what pleases God. Do you follow what I'm saying? So how do we know if we really want God's will? Well, we have to be eager to pray, to read His Word, and to know His will, to do what He's calling us to do. The only way to know God's will is to read His Word. And the only way to do God's Word is to pray. Now let me say that again, because I, I want you to catch that, okay? The only way to know God's will is to read His Word. And the only way to do God's will is to pray. So if you want to know it and you want to do it, you've got to read His Word and pray. Now the second thing is the answer that God gives us. We're fully aware of the prayers that He gives us and the promises that He answers, and they make a difference in our lives. You see, God wants to see the transformation of society. He, he wants to see the world, which is lost, come to Him and be drawn to Him. And so the result of our praying for everyone can make a difference in people's lives. Now, in Jeremiah, the 29th chapter here in the Old Testament, God says to the Israelites who've been carried into exile because of their sin and rebellion, this is what he tells them. And I want you to catch this because this is an encouraging word. Are you ready? He said, build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food they produce. Marry and have children. Then find spouses for them so that you may have many grandchildren. What's he saying? He's saying, you're not going to be here temporarily. Set down some roots. Go ahead and make plans. Go ahead and do some things. Take action. Go ahead and live your lives. Live it in full. And then he says, multiply. Do not dwindle away and work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Now remember, this is while they're in exile. This is what he's telling them to do. Pray to the Lord for its welfare, and that will determine your welfare. And I want you to catch this. God takes the children of Israel into exile. They have been disobedient. They've been sinful. But he says to them, even while they're in exile, go ahead and build homes, get married, have children, pray for grandchildren, 
you know, pray for a spouse, for your, for your child to meet somebody and then have grandchildren. He says, go ahead and set some roots down. And then he says, work for the peace and prosperity. Pray for the city. Now, this is where they're in exile. Pray for the city and its welfare. And then it says, that will determine your welfare. Now, listen, we're not in exile. So we can, we can take God at his word and say, you know what? I'm going to live my life. I'm not just going to put everything on hold. I'm going to go ahead and act as if I'm right in the center of God's will. And Lord, I'm just going to pray for my city. And, and I'm going to pray for the welfare of Panama City and Panama City Beach for Bay County. And I know that when I do that, I'm praying for my welfare as well. Isn't that a blessing? And God wants to see changes in society. You know, the, all the negative things we see in the world today, the things that really hinder us, the things the people are addicted to things and they're caught up in things they shouldn't be. And he's saying, pray for those folks. They desperately need prayers. And then he can choose to change those things. And so then, how can we have effective discipleship? Well, God wants those who are saved to come into a full knowledge of the truth. He wants all people to come to know Him and have a relationship with Him. He wants us to grow mature through the wisdom and understanding that He gives us, and that comes from the Holy Spirit. That's the spiritual growth we're looking for. In Paul's prayer to the Philippians in the first chapter, he says, I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. God answers prayer according to our faith. Now listen, if I take a seed for a tomato plant, I put it in the ground, I plant that tomato plant, and then I'm growing that tomato plant, is that a miracle? Well, no, I'm following then the laws of the universe to see what would happen when I plant that thing and water it and fertilize it. Now, when I, I pray, believing for the conditions laid out, God answers, it's simply that I'm following the universal laws of life that God has ordained. Now, the last thing, the pleasure God has. The results of faithful, urgent prayer gives God pleasure. See, he says, you don't have time to waste. This is urgent. This is important. Take it seriously. And those prayers are good because they fulfill God's will and accomplish his purposes. They're good because they bring blessing to the earth. They're good because with that kind of prayer, it forces darkness to go into retreat and the kingdom of God to be advanced. And the phrase that pleases God our Savior, what that's saying is, and it brings him great pleasure when we do that. In summary, why does God ask us to pray? He wants us to pray because your prayers can affect everyone. It's urgent. It's not optional. He wants us to pray because he promises to answer your prayers to transform a society that desperately needs transformation, to see lost people come to know him and have the full knowledge of the truth. God wants you to pray because He takes great delight in your prayers and what's happening as a result of your prayers. It's a, it's a pleasure for Him. And then God wants us to pray because He believes that prayer makes difference, makes a difference just like we do. When you pray, it pleases God. It gives Him pleasure. 
and it makes a difference. I started this sermon out by saying, I really believe that prayer makes a difference. Not only the prayers I pray, but those that have prayed for me. I've had many prayer warriors that prayed for me over the years. I can tell you, they make a difference. And I want you to pray, and I want you to have prayer warriors for you as well. Just pray that God will send you some. I pray in Jesus' name.